Welcome back to the Loop Page Podcast. This week's episode, I catch up with uh, visibility strategist and Hollywood actor, Florence Andrews. OMG, this is one of my favorite episodes. I loved it. It's all about how to stop playing small, how to stop hiding and own the spotlight in your life and business. All right, here we go. You're listening to the Luke Page Podcast, the number one podcast specifically made for coaches. Get ready for out-of-the-box conversations from the world's leading coaches and experts. We're going to be talking all things business, health, happiness, and just being the most amazing human being that you can. Why? Well, I ask, why not? You see, we're only here once. We've got one life, so let's make this thing count. I believe that we can have it all. All the money, all the love, all the joy, all the success, all the excitement. I'm here for all of it. And if you are too, then come along with me. Let's do this. What's going on? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Um, thanks for coming. This is a. Do you ever do podcasts this late? No, not usually. But for you, wow. for you, yeah. I do. You know what? Yeah. I, I, I seriously appreciate it. Yeah, this is like full on. Oh. Like to be doing, you know, it's uh, um, you know, it's quarter past ten where Florence is leaving PM. Um, so that's commitment right there. So thanks so much for you know making the effort to be here. Yeah, really appreciate oh, it. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's a total honor. All good. That's all right. Um, so yeah, Florence. I mean, we've been. Uh, We've tried to tee this up a couple of times, so we're finally here. Um, yeah. yeah, you know what? I, I don't even know where. I don't even know where. I don't know if I was following you originally. You were following me. Yeah. I don't know, whatever it is, but I don't know where I came across you. But I just, um, yeah, your content's fucking funny as, for starters. Love your content. Um, and... I just would see your content every now. <laughs> What's that? Sorry. Ditto. <laughs> ditto. Ditto. You too. <laughs> ditto. Yes. Yeah. We know what ditto is. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I just, um, I, I, I just loved your energy. I kind of loved your message that you put now, and then yeah, just the the added bonus that your content gets quite funny at times when you do the funny stuff. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to. I thought you know people like that. I'm like, I want this. I want this lady on my podcast just to kind of chat to her. And then anyway, so um, oh, I I never knew awesome. um, I, like your content and your acting and stuff like that. I just thought, I oh, mean, this she's just so good at what she does and how she acts. I never knew your background until I kind of looked into it, and I was just like, whoa! All right, oh, there I, you go. I, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know your background. So when I um initially reached out to you, um, I didn't know what you'd done. Um, so that just made it even more cool. And I was like telling my wife, um, a couple of weeks ago when I, when we kind of said, I reached out to you and you said, you're going to come on. I said, guess who I've got coming on. And then we watched, um, <laughs> we watched the Gucci house of Gucci. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. And yeah, so cool. So that was just, even though I wanted you on regardless of all that, that was just like kind of like a little bonus. Um, so mm-hmm. I already was excited to speak to you. Now I'm even more excited to speak to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like I said to you that, uh, you know, the, I've been doing like acting in commercials like the last year. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm nowhere near your level, but I, I just, um, since I've kind of got into the rough in the, the, the industry, I've just got this new 
new appreciation, respect, and just mm-hmm. excitement when I watch movies and I speak to actors and things like that. Just when you when you're in mm-hmm. it, you just see things that you don't see when you're not in it. So um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited, pumped to speak to you. Oh, um, awesome! Yeah, likewise. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, when I was going through uh, some things to chat to you about, like you had your kind of the things that you you do speak on podcasts about. And all of them where I was like, yeah, I'd love to speak to you about that. I'd love to speak to you about that. I'd love to speak to you about that. But, um, you know, I just, you know, I thought, you know, let's just talk about a little bit about yourself, what you've been through, because mm-hmm. um, it's so, like, it's so similar to me. We're both in a coaching business and then we've got mm-hmm. technically acting backgrounds. To be honest, I don't even feel comfortable calling myself an actor. I've still got a little bit of insecurity oh, around that just because I'm so new to it. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? As in like, it's, it's, I'm kind of like this, this story, I'm like, Oh, this sounds cool. So, um, you know, um, kind of let's touch on that. You know, you've got your, how you've gone from basically broken a self-sabotaging understudy to a six figure West End lead and film actor. And then you're starting your business in the pandemic and then going from zero to 50 K months in two years. Like, so cool. So let's, uh, you take it, take the stage. For All Lawrence right. Andrews, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> introducing the one and only for Lawrence Andrews. <laughs> yes. Well, before I dive in, I have to say you're totally an actor. The thing with acting that's really annoying is mm. that it, uh, it's the only art where you need someone else's permission to kind of do it. You can't just go in a room and paint on a canvas. It's like, so <laughs> yeah, like actors are actors and man, it's like, it's a roller coaster ride. So yeah, mm. it's, um, you were, you were up there. It's all good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So where do I begin? So essentially, um, yeah, I mean, acting is my background. So I grew up in a really kind of artsy family, lots of different actors, musicians. And so it was that was never kind of an issue in terms of my parent. You know, I know a lot of people's parents like you can't do that. You're not going to make money. So that yeah. was, you know, that was amazing. And that, that I was never held back from that. And um but essentially, you know, so I, I kind of did the normal things and I went to kind of drama college and I studied singing for a long time and eventually um, got an agent and went into, um, was very lucky and got into the West End. But for many years in the West End, um, I was playing the understudy, right? I was the understudy to the lead, which was amazing because I remember when I wanted to just be like a tree in the background and that would like make my whole life. So that was awesome. But I essentially had this like tug of war going on inside me for a long time where part of me knew what I was capable of essentially I knew what I would I you know I kind of had this inner knowing like I know I can be shit hot at that I know I can do the lead I know like I felt like I knew what I was capable of and what my skills were um and then there was another side going you don't like you don't want to take the limelight who are you to shine out um and essentially that really showed up as self-sabotage for a long time so although a, a certain amount of skill I guess and just kind of willpower and grit and hustle got me to be in the West End, which was amazing. I was holding myself back for a long time from that next level because essentially like my mindset was holding me back. I didn't quite believe 
like it was maybe allowed for me or there was I think there was a perfectionist thing though I was so scared that if I actually gave my all and then I failed like or if I fell on my face and you know was ridiculed I had all these fears going on that would hold me back and so you know essentially whenever a big opportunity would come up to like sing in front of a big director or um you know take some big job on I'd always get ill or something would happen or my voice would crack and um, and essentially that came to like a, a, a climax when I I was in a show, I was understudying and I was on as the main part and I had a panic attack like on mm. one of the biggest West End stages in the middle oh. of a three minute solo. So oh. no one could save me. <laughs> it was me yeah. in a spotlight on my own. And I don't think it was as obvious to anyone else as it was to me, but it yep. was horrific. Like it mm. felt like three hours. Um, right. And in a way that was the kind of catalyst I needed though, to be like, I've got to sort myself out. Like this is, this is in here. And if I don't sort this out, I, I don't mm. want to do this anymore. Like that was horrible. Was and this a once off show? Sorry. Was this a once off show or was it like a, okay, you were, th- you were three shows in or something like that? No, this was like six months into a year long run in the West End. But yeah, I, shit. and I'd been on a few. Yeah, go on. I was going to say, like, what, why, why did it happen six months in if you'd already done it? You know what I mean? You know what? And it's really funny. I'd had this on a couple of other shows where I would get like, so in the West End, often these like the musicals, uh, like a year long run. And I would like get to like halfway through. And I almost think it's that you're so on autopilot by then mm-hmm. that, your brain gets a bit bored and it goes, hmm, what can we do? Let's fuck around. How can I screw you <laughs> up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of going, Flo, you know, like there's 2,000 people watching you right now. Do you know that? Yeah. I'm like, yes, yes. And it's like, do you really know your lines? What if this happened? What if that? And it was just like that monkey mind. Like, mm. it's almost like I've done it so many times that I yeah. no longer was just like, in, there wasn't enough of me concentrating to be in that flow state that keeps you going. And that's yeah. kind of when often it was either that or in auditions. That was my other really bad one okay. um, for a long time. Yeah. So yeah. essentially that was kind of this line in the sand moment where I was like, listen, if I really want to take this seriously and I really want to, you know, reach my full potential as an actor, I've got to sort this out. And so that was the start of my journey into discovering about mindset really you know and 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 just reading a lot studying a lot um realizing that your you know thoughts create a lot of your reality and your experience and um you don't have to believe them all um Mm. and I did you know even sent me down the whole road of energy work manifestation and performance psychology I I actually went and studied um alongside um this amazing lady in performance psychology um which is essentially like sports psychology, like how to perform under pressure. And that really made sense to me at the time to do as well. So I dove in deep and essentially I had the evidence come back really quick that this was what stuff worked because, and it sounds like it does actually sound like a movie and silly when I say things like this, but it is true. Um, Within a few months I'd got, and this is after years, years and years of hustle, like about 10 years. Um, I yeah within a few months of doing that work I think maybe I had two different auditions and I got like my first six-figure West End leading role and it was originating a role in like this massive new musical um Mm. so that was amazing to see 
Um, and, and essentially like that was pretty cool. And the, you know, until it's pretty plain sailing and, and, you know, it was almost like that confidence competence thing. Like it just kept compounding. Mm -hmm. I had that evidence of like, okay, I'm cool. I've got this. I know like I, I felt more in control and it made just an enormous difference. Um, fast forward to COVID and I had just just before COVID arrived in our world unexpectedly, I'd just taken a year out to have my second uh, child, my little boy. Mm-hmm. And I was the main breadwinner when I was uh, working in the West End. So well, I still am now, but you know, so like I, I was that's kind of always how it's been in our family. And um and because I'm self because uh, I was self-employed my money, I was lucky enough to have savings enough to take a year off with my little boy, but that was really running dry. So I was like, okay, I need to get back to work. I got into a new show and about three or four days in, they were like, guys, I'm really sorry. Listen, this thing's going on. We've got to like, we're not going to be coming back in tomorrow, but we'll probably be back in a few weeks. Like, ha ha, (laughs) two years later or something. Um, And that was a Yeah, it was crazy. Right. So that was when the theaters closed and, um, yeah, I had a decision to make. It was one of those crossroads moments of do I go and kind of just play very small and go stack shelves somewhere like a lot of, you know, a lot of my actor friends were and like kudos to them. I get it. Um, yep. Or do I go, well, what do I want to do? Like I had this little teeny pot of savings left, which made sense to like hoard, right? Um, but essentially whenever, you know, when people ask me, oh, what would you do if you weren't an actor? I always said I'd, I'd coach for sure because mm. everything I did with the mindset work and the performance psychology, it had changed my life. And you know what it's like once you've drunk the personal development Kool-Aid, you're screwed, right? Like I was down that road. <laughs> I was well and truly oh, I in. I was like, this, yeah, everyone needs to know this. So um, <laughs> that was always in the back of my mind. And um so essentially, I was like, right, screw it. Let's let's go for this. So I took my I'd already trained in performance psychology. I already had that. But then I went and um, did a couple of other certifications just so I felt like I I had some more tools and structure. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of dove straight in. Funny enough, I dove straight into um, this quite famous program that's all about building a group program I did it I learned a lot it was really interesting and then I was like okay like I'm not ready for this I need to go and find some one-on-one clients and so I kind of did it in a very roundabout way it was not linear at all the first nine months at least I don't think Mm. I had any clients nothing was happening um and it was actually by doing an affiliate launch for the woman whose first program I did um, (laughs) that I learned so much about how to sell. I was like, oh, Oh. this woman, they trained us, all the people, all the affiliates, they almost, we had our own launch almost of like how to sell this program really well. I'd done it and I was like, you know, I believed what I was saying. It was all good. Um, And we had this one lady come in and do a training for us. And she said, the, the, um, coach of this program said listen if you were someone with a really small audience you're going to want to come watch this I was like right that's me I I had like 200 people or something I had no one and mm-hmm. um and she was essentially it was like personal outreach personal outreach personal outreach just go deeper with fewer like that is your superpower and I fully took that on board and I think I literally went through my whole Facebook friends list and thought of every single you know I went I just did all of that I was like screw the world out there and trying to 
Like, who do I know who's right under my feet? Um, and I came something like number nine on the leaderboard out of like, I think Mark what? Duffield Thomas was like in there too. Like there were these massive coaches who were being affiliates. Yeah. And yeah. that was a real learning curve because at the time I didn't have anything to sell. So I went full in on this. You know, I was like, yeah. I'm making a chunk of money from this affiliate launch, right? Um, and I learned a lot from that. And um, and I kind of implemented that. There's there's lots of other things I could talk about. Um, maybe <laughs> we can go there in a bit about how I kind of started making sales and, and it started picking up. But essentially, um, yeah, you know, what I saw when I came into the entrepreneurial space was, oh, like this visibility fear thing that I had, this is mm -hmm. rampant in the entrepreneurial world. And mm. I saw it, like I would join these group programs because I was like, I was just spending money. I did not have, as a lot of us do, like right at the beginning with like diving. And that's how I've always been. Um, I think in a way, being an actor for so many years helped me with the mindset of investing because I was used to just jumping off cliffs and the net will appear. I'd never had like a normal yeah. job. Um, so um, I was like diving straight in and risking left, right, center. Um, and yeah, like what I saw with these peers of mine in these group programs and, and my fellow clients in there was like they've invested in all this strategy and it doesn't matter because they just can't show up. They can't mm. be the face of their brand. They can't allow themselves to be in that like alpha position in their business and hold space and feel okay with that. Um, and I saw it as so parallel to what I went through as an actor and so that's what I decided to do is essentially take everything I did to turn my mm. acting career around and kind of transpose it into the business world. And as I've gone on and learned more strategy, I've, bring, I've brought strategy into it too that I've that has worked for me and I've seen work for people. And um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. That That's kind of where that whole coaching journey started to kick off. I just want to quickly jump in here to tell you about this awesome new training that I've put together. It's called the three steps to get to 10K a month as a coach. Now, if you're a coach and you're currently making under 10K each month and you want to know how you can get there for yourself, how you can be doing 10K months, month after month, then you probably want to check out this really awesome training. I've kept it short, only goes for 14 minutes. You don't even need to opt in, so save your email for another spammer. To watch it, head to www.lukepage.com.au forward slash 10k i'm gonna pop that link in the show notes but anyway let's get back to the episode yeah i've got like um i've got like so many questions give me one sec because i just gonna i don't know if you could hear it but my dryer was going in the background which is oh i off, didn't hear it. okay but it's got the fan going i just want to kind of no turn it off so it's not bugging me <laughs> yeah go for it Um, okay, so what were some things that came up? Oh, so many. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. When you were saying that, we're going to go back, right? We're going to go back. Mm -hmm. So when you were saying that you were in the acting and you'd been doing it for 10 years and you hadn't really caught a break, it took 10 years was the, you know, it took 10 years to get your first six-figure role in the West End. Mm -hmm. What was like the ultimate goal that you were striving for? Hmm. Well, there was a few different that I think the main goal I was striving for at the time was to play leads. I was okay. feeling starting to feel really jaded being the cover for people. Right. 
So I would like kind of be a tiny part in the background and then I would be like, I would go on when the leading lady was ill. Yep. And although on one level, I was super grateful that I was even like, I was just getting paid for what I love to do. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. There was another part of me that was growing steadily. That was just like, man, I, I, you know, I had that, I had big dreams. I had big visions and I really believed and that, that I had what it took. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I wasn't kind of showing up in that way. I wasn't showing up with leading lady energy. I was kind of playing it small and hoping that someone would just magically discover me and just kind of go, who's that girl in the background? I see something in her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think for a long time that that was my main aim, leading lady, like just good principal roles in both straight theatre. I've done straight theatre and musical theatre. Um, yep. and, and also really wanted to get into screen work, which ironically, you know, fast forward didn't happen until, um, lockdown, which was the last thing I expected. I did, I had done some adverts. I'd done some, um, that's the only screen work I'd done because it's quite hard when you've got a CV full of stage, uh, credits. Like, right. I don't know if it's the same in Australia, but in the UK, you're just put in a box. It's like, right, that's what she does. She's a stage actress. Into, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so was um, it like, so, yeah. the, the, were you wanting to, the ultimate goal when you said leads, but I mean, was it to be stage, like lead with stage or is it like, hey, I want to be, and sorry, I don't know the terminologies and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Screen, is that movies? Yeah, is screen, that what you mean by like screen? movies and TV, movies yeah. and TV, yeah, yeah. Was that like, was yeah. it, okay, if I could do anything, it's like, no, nah, I want lead roles in stage or no, 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 I want to be on movies type of thing. Like, I was wanted the to ultimate, do it both. You want, you want I wanted to do it all, and yeah. and that's the thing is like people say, well, you kind of got to choose. I think the slightly more mm. realistic goal for me, even though it was definitely still a stretch goal because I couldn't quite yep. see how to break through, um, was was playing like those principal leading roles on stage because that was the world I was in. I absolutely still dreamed of like, oh, I'd love to like win a, you know, an Oscar. I'd love to like be in some great Netflix um, series that, you know, Mm. I'd love to have. Um, But that kind of felt a little bit more abstract. And at the time, it just wasn't the side of the business I was in so much. So I think at the time, it's probably more like I was concentrating on stage. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, What was I gonna say? Um, I've lost it. That's okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when you're saying about when you went into your coaching business and you had nine months no clients, um, mm. and you did touch on it because, yeah, um, one thing that how have you found the transition with doing your acting to doing business? Mm-hmm. And you did say it. Because one thing that I, I've realized was that, um, well, I've kind of come to learn, which hasn't really been my story. To be honest, my acting career to date has come so fucking easy. And the thing is, is that mm. I don't want it and I don't need mm. it. So I'm in a very good position because if you're an actor and you need the jobs like so many do, there's an energy that comes from that. As in, I'm like, I don't need this. I'm just going yeah. for it. So there's no neediness with me. And I think, you know, we, you spoke about energy, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you were kind of jumping back to before you got your first role, you were, you were 
the understudy, which is understudy is like kind of like the support. It's not the lead. It's the kind of the support or the one in the background type thing. That's what you mean, right? Yeah. So it basically means that, so in the West End, you call it like either understudy or first cover or second cover. So essentially, if I was okay. first cover or first understudy yeah. to the leading lady, if she mm-hmm. was ill or if she was on holiday, I would step up and play that role for gotcha. that night. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um. So... Oh, I've lost my train of thought again. Do, <laughs> You're saying about energy, like with yeah, the coaching? Yeah, the energy, the energy. Yeah. I always say that um, I'm going to need to employ a, um, you know, I'm going to need to employ a, like a, an assistant that I have like a little ear phone yeah. in and then they keep this me on track <laughs> because I always do this shit and say when I'm coaching it, I'll go down rabbit holes and I'll have no idea what I started with. <laughs> so lucky it's that I need people to make sure they listen. Same thing. Um, So the energy. So did you feel that it's almost like you were looking at these people that were getting the lead roles and you're like, you know what, I have the skill set of doing that, right? Mm -hmm. But you weren't getting the roles and the things that Mm -hmm. changed was almost like it's the energy thing. I just found, I I just find that, I just, just, you know, anyone listening to this, how important energy and your belief and your mindset is because you can have the skill set like you clearly did, Florence, right? Mm-hmm. You had mm-hmm. the skill set to be able to do what the lead actors were doing. But if you don't have the yeah. identity of a lead actor or you don't have the belief or you don't have the energy, that keeps you where you were. So it was almost like that was the only shift going from what you were doing, the understudy, to go into the lead was going claiming that, hey, I'm a lead and no nothing but a lead. Yeah. 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 So, um, Absolutely. And I think what we do is like we go from the outside in so often. So we go, well, when I have, and same in business, same in acting, when I have that lead role, when I get that lead role or in business, when I have that 10K month or whatever it is, then I'll be able to do this and then I'll be this. Then I'll be this person. So we do these like future self-visualizations, which I love, by the way. I love visualization. But, you know, mm. one of these say future self-visualizations and you're seeing this version of yourself. And what we do is we assume, oh, that's the me that's going to be the result of me getting this money and having these amazing things happen. And then I'll end up being her. And it's like, no, 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 no. You need to flip that on its head. You had to become her to get those results like you have it has to rather than saying well when I have this then I'll be able to do this then I'll be this like I'll be successful I'll be worthy I'll be free I'll be relaxed I'll be at peace I'll be popular whatever it's like you we're the instigator of the change we want to see right um Mm. So it's like, I can't remember who it's, I don't know if you know a guy called David Nagel, but I remember him saying there's like an important question you have to ask yourself, which is like, do you believe you're a thing in a world full of things and life is happening to you? Or do you believe that you are the kind of center and like the creator of your reality and that life responds to you, right? And so I think what I realized was I was waiting for someone to discover me and waiting for some like, cool win the lottery type thing I was just like playing it small showing up as an understudy being like I'm sorry I exist I'm just gonna fit in the corner here but you know secretly Mm. like I know how amazing I am inside you know like this kind of ridiculous (laughs) situation 
and and kind of telling myself that (laughs) when this fantasy of mine magically happens without me changing anything about what I'm doing or what I'm thinking but when this happens then I'll become this person and it really is the other way around and I think people feel you know you see in the acting world and in the business world that actually you know sometimes you get these like 20 year olds right who they they claim it right you've got these like millionaire seven figure 20 year olds and (laughs) I'm sure lots of them are amazing right but so much of people's success is is not often even down to talent and skill I'd say slightly more it's down to belief if you have blind belief and you're like this is who I am and you're commanding your success and you're telling the world no one's going to question you people like okay cool amazing and so it's like it's so often it's the people and I see it in the coaching world all the time these amazing coaches who like care so much about their craft and and often it's like you know, they didn't come here to be entrepreneurs. They came here to coach. They came with like they're healers or they're therapists or they've got this amazing skill and this impact they can make. But there's, they don't allow themselves to step up onto the pedestal where their vision is at. It's like, it's always up there, like above them, arms reach away. It's like, well, I can't just step up there and claim it. It's like, yes, you can. So I mm. think like energy is massive and, and, yeah, it was when I almost reverse engineered what I'd done with my acting and really, I mean, I can tell you the story of when it all kind of started ch- turning around with my with my um, coaching and started. I started making money with it, but uh, it was almost all an energetic shift yet again, both mm-hmm. when, it, when it turned around in my acting and in my business. And yeah. like, even when there's 2% of my brain that goes, yeah, but really, like I teach this stuff, like I bring energetics work into my coaching. I, mm. I just love it. I'm obsessed by it. And yet still my brain will sometimes go, Flo, you just got to freaking get through this list and build this funnel. Mm. You don't have time to like meditate, like just, you know, like part of my brain doesn't always believe it, but yeah whenever I get back on it, if I've fallen off every single time, I see the results. I see the shift, like more sales come in, more opportunities come in because people Mm. feel things before they rationalize them. Um, and that has an effect. Mm, I like, I totally relate to all this. Um, like me, I actually just did a video, I posted a video, um, just before this podcast talking about Mm -hmm. the very thing that you're talking about with being the person and it's my big focus at the moment you know I um Mm -hmm. I'm I'm getting coached by someone where it's purely internal work and I tend to um I've always got a coach right so I tend to go Mm -hmm. I'll do a strategy coach and then I'll do an internal Mm -hmm. coach strategy coach nice so big focus for me at the moment and I said this to my coach a couple of weeks ago well about a month ago when I started I said that I have the skill set and attitude of at least a million dollar business owner, yet I'm stuck at six figures. Mm. And it's exactly very similar to what you're talking about where you're like, hey, I know I'm great, but it's like, why am I stuck here? And then, you know, Mm. with working with my coach, it's like, man, you just don't have the identity of a million dollar business owner. So Mm. I've been working on that and, um, man, I'm just, really just talking all about that shit now now i'm saying to myself every day i'm a million dollar business owner million dollar business yeah. owner, million dollar business owner so it's so so true you could have this skill set yeah 
um, mm-hmm. and even the attitude. But if you don't have the energy around it, you kind of don't go anywhere. You kind of get stuck where yeah. you're at. So I really relate to everything that you're saying here, Florence. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I loved how you you I loved how you um you spoke about your personal outreach. Yeah, um, mm. man, I just like you know with the the people I coach. I always talk about, I think there's a general, um, I think there's a general message with out in the coaching industry in particular, where it's mm-hmm. almost like this flow word. You got to be in flow and you mm-hmm. let everything come to your type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also got to get your ass out there and you got to like, you got to yeah. get down and dirty and the personal outreach thing. I love that you said that because that is such an, a thing that, is accessible to basically anyone and it's so mm-hmm. quick and easy to get results with yet people don't do it because they're like oh i don't like that i'm not comfortable doing that i want everything to come to me type thing yeah um yeah so it's proof that you know you said you went you were nine months no clients yeah and mm-hmm. then you're like okay i'm gonna do this affiliate thing and you just used your ex- existing audience and personally reached out to people it's so easy everyone's got an audience if you yeah. reached out to every single one of your followers mm-hmm. and they sent them your offer and people mm-hmm. on your email list, people that you know, asking people that you know, everyone's literally got at least probably a thousand people in their network right now. Yeah. I guarantee if you do what Florence did, I guarantee you get minimum one sale, minimum yeah. one sale. Yeah. And it's accessible yeah. to you right now. You've just got to get some courage and, you know, stop being so lazy and go out there and do that. And it's mm-hmm. like, uh, it, it, it's it's kind of frustrating because people can do what you did, Florence, and start getting the ball rolling because once you get the ball rolling, then people flock to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. People flock to you. Yeah, but sometimes you just got to get down and dirty. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some people like almost get freaked out when they start considering that maybe it could be as easy as that to start getting things going. It's like, no, 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 no. Can we keep it a bit more complicated? Because I think a lot Mm. of us are scared of success. It's so much Mm. safer with it being like, we can talk about, hey, we've got this really cool goal and we're building this business and this is vision, but we don't really need to change or step out of our comfort zone. We can just talk about it and kind of identify with someone who's on this journey. But the idea that actually maybe there's something that isn't that complicated, it's almost like, I see it as, like going to the gym or something it's like Mm. if you go to the gym every day or say four or five days a week for a year like you're gonna look totally different by the end right but people like it's so funny like in in business like people will try like one or two dms and i'll be like oh this doesn't work like they're not it's like you don't go to the gym once and be like i don't look any different (laughs) of course you didn't like it's a muscle that builds right so um yeah i think i think sometimes people get scared oddly i see it in people's eyes when they're like oh no 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 like i don't want it to be that easy because now it's all on me now Mm -hmm. there's like no excuse of yeah but it takes time to build this funnel and i've got to optimize this and it's like when it comes to one-on-one especially you know even group stuff like betas and stuff you know at the end of the day whatever happens with ai and everything you know all these things that are coming in sales is like a contact sport right it is a human to human it's all about relationships trust connection and i think a lot of people confuse marketing with sales so they post and pray 
And I think if I'm just ticking off that visibility box, I post it and I, you know, it, and kind of going, <laughs> I think of something to say, like, okay, something, let me just put something random up, tick, and then yeah. wonder why nothing's not happening. But it's almost like, I don't know if, I don't know if you'll get this analogy, but I always, always think of it like if you're at a party, it's great to be at the party, you're in the living room, like you're chatting to people, you're there, people notice you, people might even go, oh, I really like that person. She was really cool. Like, yeah, I noticed her there. Awesome. But it's like the real connections happen with that random person you end up having like a three hour conversation with, like in the bathroom you know, at the end of the night, like that's where mm. the sales happen. So it's like, there's some really- In the know, bathroom. What's going on in the bathroom, in the Florence? Bathroom. <laughs> the DMs are the bathroom. That's my message. There's only one reason why you go to the bathroom. <laughs> at a party. So it's, so it's, and there's simple strategies to do this, but it's like, yeah, you know, of course, no one wants to be a spammy pammy and just like get in there and, you know, not consider, does this person actually need my help? Or you want to be nurturing, you want to be building relationships, but there's ways to do that. And I think, I think one of the things that was easy with the affiliate launch was, of course, that I was selling someone else's thing, right? So that's one thing that's removed because I Mm. believe, like, it's like you go have an amazing meal or you go see an amazing film, easy to sell, right? Because it's nothing to do with you. And you should be like, oh my God, you've got to go there. And people feel it. They they trust you. And now they're going to consider it and look into it. When it's your own program, people start thinking they're selling themselves. Mm -hmm. Right? And yes, as much as people buy from people, and that's a whole other thing. And, you know, your energy is your USP. And I talk about that. We're not selling ourselves. We're selling a service that can help someone, that solves someone's problem, right? And help be a bridge from that A to that B. And I think a lot of people hold themselves back from things like DM selling because they they feel like they're putting themselves and their self-worth on the line. So right. that fear of rejection is massive because if someone's like, this isn't for me right now or I'm not ready to invest right now or whatever comes up, we we a lot of people feel that. Like it, they, it feels like a personal rejection because they think they're selling themselves and um, it can bring up all the like, you know, the school playground stuff. It can bring it all up, right? Which is why you know, working with coaches like you're working with right now is so important because you can have that DM strategy ain't going to work if you're, you know, if you're way more committed to avoiding rejection than you are to getting the sale. Mm, Well said. Um, Why do you think the typical person is scared of success? Mm. Why is typical person scared of success? It's that... I think that it's almost like it's it's safe, I think, to, I think we're just so primed, our primal kind of evolutionary psychology wants to keep us in the familiar. It, like, it's worst case scenario is us going down a path where it can't predict the outcome. Right. And I think the idea of actually succeeding is so foreign when we haven't before that the unknown that we'd rather, and I think a lot of it is that mammalian part of our brain that governs so much still, it will do everything it can to self-sabotage and tell us all these justifications for why we're not ready, why we should turn around. I think a lot of it as well is a a big what if. What if I have this opportunity or what if I get there and it doesn't make me happy? What if I get there and all these stories come up? What if I start making seven figures or whatever that vision is for you? And I lose all my friends or my family don't love me anymore or I'm not who like, who will I be? Like there's so much 
fear that comes with the unknown. And so I think at the end of the day, we are naturally as humans always drawn back to the familiar, even if the familiar kind of sucks. Yeah. We know the familiar, we know we can survive in it, we know we can cope in it. And the the thing with outside of the box successes, which on crazy entrepreneurs, they're the kind of people that want out of the box success, um, is that when our brain is self-sabotaging and doing that and drawing us back again and again to like, just go back to what you know, just go back to your comfort zone, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Like, it just means you've got a natural, healthy, normal human brain. But the problem is, is that the level of success you want isn't normal. So you can't, you can't create that from a normal, healthy human brain. You need to learn how to override that normal human instinct that is a hangover from caveman times where essentially you know our brain hasn't been able to catch up with the speed at which our society and culture is like sped along right so so often we feel like we're going to die when we're about to step onto that TEDx stage or even you know um let everyone into the zoom room for that first masterclass or whatever it really feels like life or death to our nervous system even though of mm -hmm. course it's not because part of us still is going, hang on, hang on, hang on. We haven't been here before. I can feel that you're nervous. That means there might be a tiger there. Or, you know, if we're, essentially if I mess up, especially if you're putting yourself in that alpha position. And mm -hmm. when we are the face of our brand within certain contexts of, uh, you know, like hosting a podcast, guesting on a stage, even doing a live in that context doesn't mean we're above anyone else or superior to our audience at all. But in that moment, we are essentially holding the alpha position as in we're saying, like, I'm holding the space right now and you can be here and listen or you don't have to, but like, I'm kind of guiding this. And that's terrifying for our primal brain because there is so much like pass or fail when it comes to being the alpha like, if people think you're a crap alpha, you will be out, right? Or if you don't belong, you're going to be ostracized from the tribe and left to fend for yourself. And then you'll probably die because we all needed each other, right? There wasn't a Sainsbury's mm -hmm. around the corner. And so I know this is like a common thing people talk about, but I think it is so, so prevalent. And I think even just becoming aware that you don't need to believe everything that your thoughts are throwing at you. And we are not, you are not your mind and your mind is not you. Like, just noticing that voice that comes in and starting to create a little gap between you and that voice, you know, give it a face, give it a name. Like what does to give it an accent, give it a, like, you know, so that you can kind of take, create a bit of a gap. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you have the power to start going, you know, what? I hear you. I see you're trying to keep me safe, but I'm good. So um, that was a very long winded answer to your question, but um, yeah, I love the old long winded yeah. answers. That's great. Um, now the rejection thing, right? So yeah. uh, if you're going to be, be in acting, you've got to be cool with rejection because there's mm -hmm. going to be so many roles that you go for that you don't get. Um, majority mm -hmm. of the roles that you go for, you're not going to get. Yeah. Um, how did you deal with, um, how did you deal with rejection when it comes to you going for roles? Were you kind of like, mm. say for example, you go for a role or a show or whatever you call and you don't get it. Do you get emotionally involved and go, oh, damn, I really wanted that? Or you just like, come on, mm -hmm. you're like, ah, oh, next one. Was it like yeah. little emotion 
Nexon or was it like, hey, I really wanted that. There is emotion, but you still, mm-hmm. even there was emotion attached to it with the rejection, there was almost like, but I'm still going to get onto the next one. Still going to get it. So does that make sense? Yeah. It, which one was it? It kind of depended what role it was because there was somewhere I'd be like, oh, my God, I really feel this is my role. I really yeah. think I'd be good at this. And then I would mm-hmm. like get attached Mm-hmm. especially if I got a recall. So in the West right. End, there are so many recalls before, often before you get the thing. Oh, so the it's worst. really easy Man. to get like attached. It's almost like, you know, X oh, factor yeah. is like round one, round two. So it's like so yeah. hard to not get attached. It's interesting that you said like your acting career just like has gone super well, super fast even though like you don't really need it and you're not necessarily like focusing on that it's like that's actually Mm. what happened when I got House of Gucci out of the blue I was Mm. concentrating on my coaching I wasn't even thinking acting was anywhere near me because everything was closed it was lockdown right Mm. it's so interesting I think there is a thing about knowing what you want and then letting go and surrendering and letting the universe do its shiz you know so Mm. um yeah so hard to do yeah when you want something when you want something so badly to to do the old it let is. go thing, so fucking hard. Yeah. I think mm. it's about trusting that it's going to happen for you. It's a done deal. So you get to be really yep. grateful. Like I think there's something very powerful about practicing gratitude and expectation of something that hasn't shown itself as you don't have the evidence for yet. So like mm. actually practice, like I'm thank you. Like I'll do this in launches, right? In open cart and stuff. I'll be like, mm-hmm. I'm so excited that these, whatever my goal is, 20 women are in my program. I can't, you know, I'm so excited. They're all coming in. I can't wait to see, mm. you know, so it's like, it's a done deal, mm-hmm. which means that actually when there's a conversation with someone and they say, no, it doesn't phase me so much, but it's same as with a job, right? In acting, it's like, I know it's happening. I know it's on mm-hmm. its way. I'm not available for anything else. And so clearly that job wasn't meant to be part of that story. So I think that was something that was helpful for me. There were some jobs where I, like I say, that I got really attached. And then generally my vibe was the roles that I really wanted, I let myself go there emotionally. I I was just like I am going to get this. I'm it, I'm all in. I went all in knowing that my heart would be broken more <laughs> if I didn't get it. But I would do that and I think I had a and I've always had this and I don't know if it's some something I was born with or or what, but I think that you know if I didn't get it and I hoped I would, I would kind of let myself Sometimes I'd let myself even, there was like one role I so wanted. And I was like, I would just like was sobbed to my mom on my phone on, on the street, you know? So I, I would have like a day or two of letting myself grieve and feel really crap about it. And and sometimes have the odd tantrum of like, that's it. I'm not going to be an actor anymore. Screw this. I'm going <laughs> to, um, so I'd go there. Um, yeah. And then it would usually be day two or three. And, and it almost weirdly gave me a new fire of like, right, you know, what yep. do I need to learn? What do I need to change? What can I, um, so that's kind of the way I work a lot of the time. I find it hard to, to be lukewarm about things. So, um, yeah, I almost, I almost just like know that I'm going to ride the roller coaster a bit, but I, I do think that what keeps me going generally both in, on the, on the business journey and on the, on the acting journey as well is, an absolute belief or it's not even belief it's moving from desire to decision okay Mm -hmm. so it's rather than this is what I desire it's like this is what I'm deciding 
I'm, and I think that's a really powerful energetic shift, actually, because when you're just like desire is super powerful, right? That's where everything starts. And I think, and that's a whole other conversation. A lot of people have like feel desires a dirty word. And it's like, I can't want more than I need and all of that stuff, right? And mm. that's a whole other thing. But just to desire is still a bit passive. It's like mm-hmm. we're kind of hoping something comes to us. It's kind of outside of us. But when we are deciding, I can't remember who it was. Someone said the most important decision when it comes to being successful is to decide to be successful. It's like mm. des- the word decision means to cut off. So it's like that whole burning the ships thing. It's like, I'm not available for anything else. And mm-hmm. I think when, you, when, when you're married to the long-term journey of something, rather than just that, like the next launch and everything's like this, this next launch is pass or fail. And it's easy to get like that, <laughs> same, right? Same as is with, <laughs> oh yeah, so easy, right? Same as with, and I'm not saying I'm immune, right? But same mm. as with um, an acting role, I, I think what can help quell that is when you're like, it's not just about this launch for me. Yeah, I really hope this goes well. But whether it goes well or it flops or I learn, like I'm either going to get what I want or I'm going to get what I need. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm either going to get the result I want or I'm going to get like the data or the juice or the learnings that I need to get what I want eventually. And if you've mm-hmm. decided that I'm married to this journey and this is happening and I don't know how long it's going to take and I don't know what it's going to look like but I'm not available for anything else that then I think puts the different failings failings along the way into um into perspective because essentially the people who you aspire to have a career like or the people whose businesses you aspire um to have as have just been willing to fail more times than you right yeah. it, it really yeah. is about let's like rack up the nose like yes mm. lives in the land of no like how many no's can I collect because mm. that is the only way to get to the yes and it kind of yeah. sucks and I'm not saying I'm <laughs> I'm by no means immune to it I go on the emotional roller coaster like everyone else still but I think I always have <laughs> there's always part of me that is looking at it from the outside and is aware of that bigger picture as well and I think that's massive otherwise you just spiral down with every up every down and there are going to be downs because you've chosen a the the path least trodden (laughs) (laughs) there's going to be definitely downs if you're going to be a business owner um so what do you say to someone who is so afraid of rejection um you know you've Mm. got being an actor you've got to be you've got to be able to get through it or you got zero percent chance and that's one thing that i just have a massive respect because mm. I've, I've got a sales background, right? And if you're going to be great mm-hmm. at sales, you've got to be cool rege- with rejection. So that's mm-hmm. one thing when I started seeing actors and what they go through and mm-hmm. witnessing what you went through. And like I said, that because I don't have the, with the, the roles that I get, I'm just like, there's no neediness behind it. I can't exactly, mm-hmm. because I'm like, I'm not here to be an actor. I'm just like, well, yeah. this shit here helps me get better at my business. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's what I've discovered yeah. at all. Um, but seeing what they go through, and I'm just like mm. massive respect to still keep on showing up with the constant rejection. What do you say mm-hmm. to someone who's got so much fear of rejection in their business that they're yeah. so scared to show up, show, so scared to post something that it doesn't get the engagement that they want or in mm-hmm. the engagement that they, their last post got? Or they're scared to sell or launch because if people mm-hmm. don't buy, what do you say to these yeah. people? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things to say. And I do think that uh, it's worth everyone doing some subconscious work. Um because there are some things that like a kind of you, we could do a whole podcast episode on where there's limiting beliefs that are that are deeper that it's almost somatic it's deeper than just kind of here's my mindset tip you know so I do think that a lot of us like I feel if, if you're really paralyzed by the fear of rejection and it's stopping you doing any of these things or every single time you get a no like there's an existential crisis that kicks off like look into that and find someone who can help you not that I believe we always need to understand the why of and and you know origin of every single issue we have to be able to move forward um but I do think that's one thing to really look into for everyone like uh, I think you know I've heard someone say if you want to get to six figures do mindset work if you want to get to seven figures do energy work you know so it's who knows how true that is but essentially like do that subconscious work find someone who can help Mm -hmm. you go a little bit deeper. Um, yeah. One thing that comes up is, um, oh, who's that actor? Stephen Fry. Stephen mm. Fry once said, I'm not a noun, I'm a verb. So I'm not an actor, I'm not a writer, I act, I write. And I think there's, that was really powerful for me to hear that because I think we identify ourselves sometimes too much with what we do and then our self-worth becomes really tied up in it. And that can Mm -hmm. be a little bit dangerous. Um, It's so normal in our society, right, to say I am an entrepreneur, I am an actor, and I still do it now because that's just how we speak, right? But on some level, it can be useful to kind of start playing around with verbs. I mean, you know, we do lots of things, right? Oh, like... um, you know, um, I coach, I act, mm-hmm. I do, and yeah. it kind of slightly separates it from your identity. And I think, you know, finding other things outside of your main, and I know this is hard when you're someone who's like obsessed with what they're doing. And I do think obsession can be like helpful to a certain extent, but mm-hmm. there, there is, there, it can be unhealthy as well. And I think that it's important to go, well, how else can I fill myself up outside of this? What else makes me happy? What else makes me feel like I have worth in the world? So that when those things happen, it's not like meaning something about who you are and your mm. worth in the world. And so I think, you know, that is something to consider. I think also remembering that it's not about you. If someone doesn't want to invest in you, one, either, there's so many things it could be. On one hand, it's it's about them, like in, in many ways, right? So they've got their limiting beliefs about investing their money into their themselves and their business. Or they've, um, you know, maybe they really do have some family crisis going on right now and it's not the right time. Or that's their, that's their story and it's got nothing to do with you. Um, at the same time, again, like when things, when we're rejected, it can we get to choose to see that as a gift. If we are willing to look into building more of a growth mindset than a fixed mindset. So I don't know if you've read mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck, but if you haven't, know. or if anyone who's listening hasn't go read it, I wish I had read this book decades ago um but long story short essentially you know either we we're often on a spectrum but black and white we either have a fixed mindset and we believe 
you know, we're born with what, you know, we've got, we've, you know, my creativity is here, my talent in this is here, my, uh, my math is here or whatever, my, this kind of intelligence is here, my empathy is here. And we just got to make the best of what we've been given. And it's not going to change, it's fixed. That's terrifying when it comes to trying things. Because if we believe that, and then we go for something, and then we're rejected, what does that mean about us? If we have a dream to move forward on that path, that's, we're not going to even go. And that's when we self-sabotage because if we went to that audition and sung full out or gave it our everything and our acting and then we were rejected yep. and we've got a fixed mindset and we believe our acting is just where it's at. Well, now we're like, what does that mean? That's terrifying. That means like, why even do this anymore, right? If we've got a mm. growth mindset, we can, we know that we can get better. And someone said recently, I can't remember who it was, and it's a little bit harsh, but I kind of freaking like it, <laughs> which is essentially all of us are going to be have to be crap at something first before we get better, right? And yes, of course, we're born with different skills and talents, like natural talents in different areas. But when it comes to things like sales, most of us aren't great at sales to begin with, right? It's yeah, a muscle. Yeah. It's a skill we have to learn. So... Mm. Rather than make it mean something about you, if you can lean into a growth mindset and go, hmm, like what went wrong? What do I need to learn for next time? And start kind of finding the silver lining of great. Like I can't wait to get like so many no's over the year that by the end, I am a master at sales because I'm going to learn so much from every no. Like what can I learn? Um, and so I think a lot of it is, you know, for example, it might be your messaging. Um People don't generally buy because something's cheap. They buy because they see the value in it. If we're not articulating mm. the value to them, they're not going to buy. That, again, nothing to do with you and your self-worth or your potential to be a freaking eight-figure entrepreneur in five years' time. Everything to do with the fact that to become that eight-figure entrepreneur, you've just been given a bit of goals that says, hey, you need to work on your messaging. Awesome. Mm. Um, and so I think in that way, a lot of the word patience comes in as well. Um, but I think, yeah, having having some things outside, making sure that you still tend, to, you don't neglect your relationships when you're owning a business or you're on, you're on that kind of path that I think a lot of people are when they're acting or in business, you know, enriching your life outside of that path gives things perspective um and remembering it's it's not about you it's not about your self-worth it's actually like when you're rejected you're putting yourself in the same club as every single amazingly successful person out there it's like welcome mm. to the club let's get going <laughs> <laughs> so good we could end on that i just want to i want to i've got one question i want to ask you to end mm -hmm. which is relating yeah. to house of gucci <laughs> oh um, yeah so for anyone who hasn't seen or heard of House of Gucci, it's a legit Hollywood film, right? We're calling it a Hollywood film, yeah? Mm -hmm. um, and Florence plays like a big role in a film that has, you know, actors, A-list actors that you know of. And the scene that you're in with um, Lady Gaga, Al Pacino, mm -hmm. yeah? Al Pacino's in there, mm -hmm. Jared Leto and Adam Driver's yeah. in there. Is that that one in the yeah. lounge? Yeah. What? the fuck like Florence that's like a crazy big deal and you know what do you know what I was thinking when I was watching that watching that you know I got my little acting background I was mm -hmm. thinking how the hell did you do that 
and what was your mindset being in the room with those fucking actors? Because I'd just be thinking, yeah. shit, put me in a room full of people who weren't that and play that mm-hmm. role. No probs. But, hey, when you've got those people who you've watched movies throughout your whole life and now you're in the room doing a scene with them, I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, can yeah. I handle that? And I'm like, fuck, I don't think so. No way. And I'm it like, oh, man, I've got, I've got to ask Florence. So what was she thinking? How did yeah. you, what was going through your mind? Were you, yeah. how did you handle it? Like, talk to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was bricking it. <laughs> <laughs> what's, I what's think bricking what, it? one of the main things that I teach people in my coaching is, is how to still move forward and deliver, even when you've got a lot of fear there. That What's you don't need to it, wait till the fear's gone. Breaking it means <laughs> breaking it is a very rude term, really. It means I was shitting myself. Like shitting I wasn't yourself. actually shitting myself. But <laughs> very scared is what it means. Yes. Yes, um, yes, yes. <laughs> just to bring the tone of your podcast down. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was very, very nervous. Um, but I I think the work I'd done on myself had led up to that point because I was very au fait with the whole stage fright thing I went through of having every single voice in my head going, turn around, literally try, I can almost like hear them trying to come up with ideas of how to escape and get out of this situation, but knowing you can't and still having to move forward. So Mm. that was helpful. What actually interestingly was helpful is just very quickly to kind of paint the picture for you of that day. That was my first day filming that scene was the first scene we filmed. Ah, wow. Yeah, right in the deep No warm-ups. Right? No warm-ups. No warm There really was no warm And with Ridley Scott, he doesn't rehearse. You're just like in. You maybe like two takes, done, move on. Like, so it was like, you got to get it. Shit. This is it. Mm. So that scene originally wasn't meant to be in that living room. It was meant to be on this big, long white table out the, right. in this front garden of this like insane mansion in Lake Como with all the Lake Como kind of mountains and hills in the background. And so we'd all gone to this amazing location in Lake Como just for the backdrop for that scene. Um, But like, yeah, it wasn't working. Like some of the actors were like getting, it was actually quite cold and windy and it was distracting them and like not in a diva way, like genuinely. And Mm -hmm. so it wasn't working and it was really incredible actually to watch Ridley Scott work because I think a lot, what a lot of directors would do is they'd be so tied to their vision. They'd be like, no, like this is how I want it. But he listened and he's just so pragmatic. He's like, right, everyone take half an hour. And then he came back. It's like, this is how we're going to do it. He kind of just reorganized the whole thing. Actually, mm-hmm. this scene's now going to be after this dinner. And it's, so you're all just the only ones left in the party. And we're going to do it in here. That yeah, half hour, re- mm. yeah, that it was amazing to watch. But that half hour really, really helped me because mm. what we did was the actors went, right, should we go in line run? So we went and went into this living room of this amazing house and stood around in a circle and we just ran lines. And my brain went, oh, I know this. I know what it's yeah. like to stand in a circle of actors and just run lines. Oh, these guys mm-hmm. are just other actors. So that really helped to like loosen me up. And I think I was very lucky as well in that Ridley Scott and everyone, he, he often works with all the same crew and cameramen and costume people. He is very much like he has no time for egos and hierarchy. He's like Mm -hmm. every single person on that set. I I was treated with just as much respect as anyone else. So I think that really helped as well. But that little like line running and them change, I was like, 
because I was so uh, nervous. But that kind yeah. of helped. And then I think when we were sitting there, I just had to dive into the character was my escape. You know, it almost forced me to really go in. And again, I was lucky that it was Ridley Scott because the way he films is he has a lot of different hidden cameras, right. all filming at the same time from different angles. Mm-hmm. And so I got to act essentially as I I was used to, which is like when you're in a, on stage in a play, you just act it all the way through. You're always acting that any audience member might be watching you at any point. So right. That helped me too, but what was it? it was interesting. I did have the little two percent of my brain that every now would come out and go, "Holy fuck, Flo, that's actually like what? you know, yeah. like sometimes like a little. Bit, I'd have these little glimpses where I was like, I was in it, I was in flow state. I was like this, like it was almost like the pressure was so high that it forced me into this like super focused flow state. And every mm-hmm. now and then, this little bit of my brain just managed to creep out and go flow <laughs> do you belong yeah. here as al pacino wow. so and then i mean the opera scene i did in um in jared leto's character's yeah. uh, fashion show when i was singing i didn't know that there was going to be this and that's your this, voice that's my voice that's your live. Voice. yeah that is nuts yeah, you got an amazing great. voice Far oh, thank you yeah, yeah so you... Uh, singing was a big thing i did thank you so mm. um yeah, and I didn't know that everyone was like going to get everyone to leave, and it was just this big close up on me. And he told me what he wanted me to do, and I was like, I didn't know that was coming. So mm. I was like, like, okay, yep. so I've got to, I've got to like nail this. Yep. And it was funny in my head. I just remember saying to myself, Flo, just show off, just show off, just let yourself show off. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like show off in a bad, brazen way, but I think a lot of what I help people with and what I see is show off I call it show off shame like I was someone who loved performing when I was younger and or you know we're all, loads of us grow up and are told stop showing off no one likes the clever clogs and we're kind of shamed right and mm-hmm. I don't know about you but you know those moments for example where you have a chance to it might even be you're at some conference and whoever stands up gets to ask the question to Tony Robbins whatever right it's like you mm-hmm. have that impulse and then a bit of you goes, oh, right? Or maybe like you really want to dance to some music and mm. you feel it inside, but because there's yeah. other people around, like you can't fully let your arms go out. Like there's there's something holding you back. And I mm. knew that I'd been in situations like that where I did half of what I could do because I was too scared to go full out and look like a twat, essentially. Sorry, my language. Yeah. But like, so, and I was like, I cannot let that happen this time. I I cannot let that happen. This is too big. So that's Mm -hmm. why I almost kind of went the extreme opposite. It was like, Flo, just show off. Like, just allow yourself to go as big as you need to go and not care what anyone else thinks. So that -hmm. was the other one, these little mantras. Yeah. So good. Um, So you're saying that when, so that that living room scene, so is it less Mm -hmm. like, okay, we're going to run through the scene and okay, Florence, now we're shifting the camera from Al Pacino and the focus to you. We're going to be filming your point of view. Well, mm-hmm. you know, your camera. So it wasn't that. It's just they had wasn't so many cameras set up. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's all right. Because that. Uh... It was amazing. And actually, it was great because one of the. I felt confident about my acting pretty much leading yeah. up to filming day. The thing I was most nervous about was the etiquette of being on set and things like continuity and things like that, that I 
was like was still so new to me because I was just so used to just running something as if it was real life because you're on stage right you're always on on view and Mm -hmm. so actually it was the best director to work with first in that way because you couldn't get closer to theater acting in a way like in the way in terms of how they he films because he does just set it up and um we had a few goes through but essentially I was just like, I'm just going to act all the time. I have no idea what camera's on me where. I'm just, I'm just, and I didn't have to think about about that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I was quite lucky in that way. Yeah. Could you tell anyone, did you, like, were you allowed to tell anyone that you're nervous or you're like, man, I've got to be professional here and you got to keep it in? Like, were you, did you have anyone on set where you're like, they were talking you through it and you're like, man, I'm freaking out. Or were you like, man, I got to, I have to keep this in myself just because of where I was at. Yeah, there wasn't really anyone there that I had that kind of relationship with. Like it, it because it was it was red zone lockdown in Italy. Like I was amazed mm. that they kept the film going. We had to be yeah. tested every single time we walked onto set. It was crazy. Mm. Um, but because of that, there was much less time to meet people. As soon as people said cut, the masks went on. Everyone went to their separate trailers. Like it was very very clinical, um, mm. and so. There wasn't really that opportunity, but it's interesting because I actually, I was going through, I was trying to like um, delete a bunch of um, photos and videos on my phone because it's like, I've got too much stuff on there the other night. And I came across me videoing myself in my trailer before I went on for this first thing. Like it's just a little video memory, right? And um, I didn't even say I was nervous in that because I wasn't going to let myself go there, even though, of course, yeah. I was. I was like, yeah, actually, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm not even nervous. I'm just excited. And that's mm-hmm. something I, I teach is that the difference in your body between nervousness and fear and excitement is is almost nil. Right. It's mm. very, very similar physiologically. And I knew that if I let myself start going down the thing of like, I'm nervous, even though I was um that would not be helpful for me so I was like every time I felt that adrenaline I was like I'm so excited I'm so excited and and you know your brain bright your brain buys it it's like oh cool that's why you've got a dry mouth or that's why your heart beats racing because you're excited awesome no need to sabotage so I almost didn't even admit it to myself (laughs) until afterwards because I was like I'm not going there I was like "Mm, big Mm. wall up um Yeah. yeah That's so amazing. It really is. Um, the yeah, fact that you've, it's a crazy you know, experience. you've got that something that you've done in your life and not saying like that's the only thing. You, you can still do more. But the fact that you've done that, what an yeah. experience in life. Did you get a couple of selfies with Al and Jared and what's Lady Gaga's real name? Lady Gaga. Oh, isn't what's it like it? Stephanie? Stefani. So you didn't, get, didn't jump in and go, hey, guys, can I get a selfie? Do you know what? I did really want to get a selfie with um, Lady Gaga and um, Adam Driver, but they were they were still like getting ready. And then I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe that's not cool. Maybe I should, you know, if I'm really like one of the actors, I would. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I never yeah. did. I do, I do have a video of um, the scene that um, it, the the scene where I'm singing the opera in the fashion show, and Jared Leto is is there, and it's it's all screwed up for him. And I look at him. That was his last shot of the movie. So when we finished filming yeah. that, everyone was clapping him because that he he was done on the movie. And I do right. have like a video someone took of us like hugging, and um, mm. I actually got like I never met the real Jared Leto because he was always um, in, uh, in method. Suit. He was always yeah. in character. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I even have like I had like these. Um, I had well, this, that's what like, he does, letter. doesn't he? 
I've heard that he, he, he steps on set and he never steps out of character for the whole shoot. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm. So, um, so I didn't so get to weird. meet, I, I met him, I gave him a hug, but really he wasn't Jared Leto. So I didn't really meet the Jared Leto really. Yeah. Um, Does that weird you I, out? That shit? Like, is sorry? that like, is that weird? That stuff? Like I look at it and I'm like, man, I just couldn't do it. But it's like, is it yeah. like, this is weird as fuck or is it like, mm, I'm kind of used to it happens or. Yeah. It, yeah, it is a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, the thing is, I think like each to their own, like when it comes to, when it comes to acting, I think everyone's trying to get to the same place and they just have their mm. different in. And I kind mm. of admire the, I feel like you have to be quite uninhibited and committed to your craft. Like as, as like, I always feel like, oh, craft. When I say the word craft, I roll my eyes at myself, but you have mm. to be quite committed and not caring what people think to even do that it's quite oh, brave yeah. so I kind of I admire it even though it is pretty extreme um yep. you know there's loads of amazing actors who are method actors who I love who I super admire um but at the same time I don't necessarily think it's necessary I also know some incredible actors who are like literally pissing about in the wings talking rubbish until the mm-hmm. second they go on and then they blow your mind um yep. so it is a bit so, strange, and I guess sometimes yeah. I feel like awkward of like, well, am I just being me speaking to this character? Like, how am I, am I doing yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they must be isolated, you know? right? They must isolate. Yeah. If they're staying in character, they must isolate themselves from basically everyone. Is that how it works? Well, I think they. It's what I've noticed is it's not always that they necessarily isolate themselves, but the way they engage with people is kind of through their character, and and it's yeah. like it's kind of half half. Like, of course, they still need to go and do the things they need to do and say the things they need to say as themselves. Mm-hmm. I think like I, I understand it quite a lot when it comes to accents, like it's quite hard to go in and out of accents sometimes. So I think um, sometimes people keep up the accent. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, I've never done what I'll do. I mean, I, I've never, I've never done method acting. I feel I can go in and out, but I, but I do often like to have a little bit of alone time. So Again, it was interesting. Like there was, for example, like a, an extra in particular in House of Gucci, who was super lovely, but just kept wanting to talk to me and like mm-hmm. say, you know, where are you from, and just like chat. And we were just yep. about to film. And mm-hmm. again, like in a less in a in a situation where the the stakes weren't quite so high, I probably just would have been, you know, my usual people pleaser self, and 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 chatted to him. But I was not going to let anything screw this up. So I had to be a little bit like, and again, I think that's where people then start getting names like, oh, Diva or this or that. And actually, I think it's just about, I, I, let's chat later. Like, I, I need to, like, this is a big deal. Uh, I need yeah, to, okay. so I, I do need time to focus and kind of get into the thoughts of that person in the situation before I go in, even if it's just like a, a minute or two um mm-hmm. so yeah i think everyone's different and finds their own way there but it can be nice. a bit extreme for sure hey i hope you're enjoying today's episode so far make sure you click subscribe to stay up to date because we release a new podcast every single week and if you're getting value out of this then share it share it with the world share it with someone that you know that would also benefit from it and hey tag us over on instagram at luke underscore page and we'll give you a shout out for the support thank you so much let's get back into this you know what? I think um, the I remember when I first came across you. I'm like, this 
girl looks like Katy Perry. Do you ever get? Uh, have you ever got? I have had that before. Yeah, look like Katy Perry. I loved Katy Perry back in the day. I was like, yeah. when I was in my twenties, I loved yeah. Katy Perry. So I reckon that's. I must have come across. I'm like, this girl looks like Katy Perry. I'm like, oh, she's a coach. Yeah. Cool. I'm gonna follow. Um, Florence, well, we could keep talking. Yeah. So thank you. Sorry. Absolutely, she's amazing. Um, <laughs> I said we could keep chatting easily. Yeah. Uh, it's quarter past eleven. No, it's not. It's eleven thirty. Well, you're right. Oh, my God. I need OMG. to go to bed. <laughs> but I can keep talking too. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. Um, you know, where can people find it that's listened to this? Yeah, sure. So probably the best place to come check me out is just Instagram because then you can go to my link and all my other links are there. So, um, yeah, if you come over to Instagram and look up Florence underscore Andrews underscore coaching, um and you'll I hang out there a lot but um you can find my website on there I've got trainings I've got some freebies um you know ways you can work with me all of that is at the link in my bio so that's probably the best place to head over to beautiful go give Florence a follow go watch the movie go house of Gucci if you haven't watched it go watch it it's nuts and then (laughs) once you watch the movie go send her a dm and say hello come say hi yeah Florence thanks for coming on yeah been great oh thank you so much it's super it's awesome to be connected (laughs) i love the work you do as well and it's a total honor to um yeah get connected to your audience as well so thanks for having me hey there i hope you loved today's episode if you did i would really appreciate if you could leave us a review on the platform that you're listening to this on right now you see your help and support allows us to spread this podcast across the world and we can't do it without you Apart from that, make sure you're following us over on Instagram at Luke underscore page.